0: On today's show, the Hawks are in Mexico City to face the Magic on Thursday. We have a crossover preview on today's show with the folks from Locked On Magic. We'll have a full breakdown of the game and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1584 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash On. Check out all of the offerings there with FanDuel. And to get started today, please check out the podcast as well and make us your first listen each and every day check us out anywhere you get your podcast places like apple and spotify as well as youtube on the video side and i'm joined on today's show by philip from the locked on magic podcast because there's a standalone game for the hawks on thursday i don't often do a ton of full-on game preview podcast but when the hawks have a game in mexico city it sort of dictates that we go ahead and do that and basically i am mostly the guest on this show philip is hosting as you will hear in a second but lots of back and forth on the hawks and the magic and a lot of fun to be had again nuts and here the hawks play at 9 30 p.m eastern time nba tv on thursday i might have a show between now and then no guarantees but if nothing else you'll be ready to go after this preview with myself and philip from locked on magic and without any further delay here we go with that podcast
1: and we are now joined by our friend from locked on hawks brad roland brad brad uh hola uh <laughs> I don't know if that's okay to do. Am I, am I cool to do that?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I'm gonna pass on speaking Spanish, which I have not done <laughs> since like sixth or seventh grade. But uh yes, happy to be here, happy to talk to you and uh a standalone game between two southeast division teams that's happening at 9:30 p.m. eastern time because of course it not,
1: is. yeah, because a central time zone and and, and all that, and, and happening in Mexico City in the middle of a four-game magic homestand. You know, it's it's it the, the NBA and and I think this is the magic's fault. So I, I will I I will take the blame for this happening or my, my friend the franchise i am ostensibly representing i will we will take the blame the magic like to get out get out around the world i think visit orlando is is the title sponsor of this this magic focused international series which included the flamingo game in the preseason but so apologies uh sorry hope everyone <laughs> enjoys mexico city as i told everyone uh, before they left uh, at the game at the game monday night please don't get sick this time. Nobody gets sick on the, on these international trips. That seems to be the annual thing when the magic go overseas. Um, but Brad, we actually have, I think a really, really interesting game and a really, really interesting matchup developing between the Orlando magic and the Miami heat or not between the Orlando magic and the Atlanta Hawks. I want to get to taking down the Miami heat, which is the <laughs> ultimate goal of all of society is to, to, is to destroy the, is to destroy the heat and topple the statue of Pat Riley. Um, but, uh, Let's let's start here. You know, it's, it's obviously too early to say anything is real or, or 100% real, but how would you describe the Hawks' season so far?
0: Yeah, I think it's gone fairly well. You know, if you had caught me, I'd say. Uh, probably sim- <laughs> pl- similarly to how you're probably feeling right now, if you had caught me before the game on Monday, it would have been even better. Um, the Hawks lost Monday, as did the Magic. But uh, yeah, I, I think that it's gone fairly well. Certainly, uh, the vibes are very good. Good in comparison to previous, probably probably the previous two years for the Hawks. New new coach, even though he came in last year, it's it's the kind of still the full clean slate, full full new staff, no big injuries. Knock on wood at this point in time, that kind of stuff. Like it, it's all going well. They're not playing perfectly as you might expect this early in the season. There's still stuff to figure out. Um, rotations are different. All that all that stuff. But I think that um, the proof of concept has kind of been. Lingering. You've kind of seen what they're preaching. Um, They're buying in, which I think is very important for a team that had some high highs in the previous regime. But now I think Quinn Snyder is a different guy and a different coach and a different mindset. And everyone seems to be on the same page. Of course, they're four and three. They're not seven and oh, like they're not necessarily in, in the mix for the number one seed, I wouldn't think this year, but they're certainly playing better. And I think more like they want to be playing in the future.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously this is a team that that has been to the playoffs year after the postseason, year after year after year. Maybe not where they want to go. You know, obviously 2020 uh, reaching the conference finals it was is a huge step and, and one that's kind of the high that they've been chasing over the last last year, 2021, excuse me, uh, when they reached the conference finals. Um, it, it's certainly kind of the, the high that they're chasing. What impact ha- has Quinn Snyder had on this team? Because, yeah, they brought him in at the All-Star break. They kind of got this ball rolling and kind of figured out who they wa- who they are late in that season to to get into the playing tournament. And, and, and everyone might forget this, they beat Miami on the road, on the road. Yep. to get the seven seed. Like this, this is a this is a battle tested team.
0: Yeah, and you know Quinn, I think to his credit was very complimentary of the previous staff, which he just inherited. Like he, he came in, he came by himself at the beginning was with the previous staff, which is very, very strange. Like it was a, I'll, I'll save the long spiel. That was a very bizarre situation. Him, a high profile guy getting hired mid season on a team. that was still trying to win has basically never happened that late in the year. It was like unprecedented. George Carl sport. with the
1: Kings maybe. with Yeah. But even that, that Malone, was, that was yeah. earlier. There was, yeah. there,
0: there were similar ones, but as far as I could tell, going back a long way, it was, the, it was the latest a guy of his stature had come in in a season for a team that was still trying. So it was, like, very interesting. Anyway, he did admit, though, over the summer and in particularly in advance of training camp that he couldn't put his stuff in last year. They were kind of just trying try to keep the, the train on the tracks, little tweaks here and there, and then he finally had this opportunity this this summer and then this fall to kind of put his his, his system in, and what I would describe it as sort of in its shorthand is it's much more modern. The Hawks are taking more threes and they're getting to the rim more. It's less mid rangers. That's kind of the easy shot profile stuff. They're also just playing faster. This is a team that has, you know, lightning fast pace so far, especially in transition frequency. Like they're up near, near, near the top of the league. I think they are number one, I believe, right now in how fast they are playing. Um, and like it's basically. Quinn ball is the way that I would say more more ball movement, more player movement, less stagnation. The previous regime, Nate McMillan, kind of believed in mismatch hunting was a very old school approach. And I don't don't say that necessarily in a negative way. It did work. As you mentioned a couple years ago, it worked worked very well. But it's a whole new system. And um, they kind of got a lot of side eyes from people when they didn't really change a lot this summer. Because and look, I get I get why when you're not great, your first round exit and then you, all you do is kind of make your team worse on paper by training John Collins for, for basically nothing. People are like, what are they doing? And it's like, well, they're just, they're just trying to see what Quinn's going like, to Quinn was their big offseason acquisition. And they're playing that way. Like they're obviously Jalen Johnson's breakouts. Also uh, something we talked about if you want to, but I think that's really what it came down to is that they believed more in what this group could do talent wise. than they had played at the previous two years. And I think we've already seen a little bit of that so far, but like the formula on this team is the top five offense That's what they were two years ago, even when they weren't that good and like an okay defense, you know, this is an offense first team. I think we kind of already started to see like, they're already a top five, six offense right now, despite not shooting the ball that well, which is a positive.
1: Yeah. And and like, that's, that's the formula. Like, you know, I think I've talked about this on my show, like Steve Clifford, when he was here in Orlando, used to always say our goal, your goal is any team. If you're just trying to make the playoffs and, and figure out how to grow, if you're top 10 in offense or defense and top half of the league in the other you should be in the playoffs. And, and and that's obviously a simplistic goal and a simplistic way of looking at things. If you're top 10 in both, you're a pretty good team. You're, you're probably going to be advancing pretty far. So, you know, at a, at, a certain, at a certain extent, especially as you're trying to come together and, and trying to figure out your identity and, and let's be real, rebuilds of any type. And I don't think the Hawks are rebuilding, so to speak. They're kind of reloading. It's a multi-year project. It it very rarely happens like instantaneously. Like you have to like kind of figure some things out. And you know, we'll talk about the magic. The magic are kind of loading up, especially on defense, and they'll figure out the offense later. It feels like Atlanta, and, and this is probably how it's felt the last few years, I think, with Atlanta, they're loading up on that offense. And obviously they should. Trey Young is their their best player and and is not viewed as a great defender. They added DeJounte <laughs> Murray, who is you know, also a fantastic offensive player. That that is who they are, and, and and it's a lesson in really maxim maximizing that. You mentioned the Jalen Johnson thing because, I, I you know at least when I was going through my predictions and my thoughts on this team, like I, I thought Quinn Snyder was going to make the team better. He's too good of a coach not to make this team better. But I kind of had them just like treading water because I I felt losing John Collins was a big deal and and was you know a curious thing especially not getting anything of value in return that's that's a big gap to lose how have the hawks kind of filled that filled that role filled that gap or, or how has that changed how they attack offensively to, probably for the better at this point
0: yeah. And I'll say like, I am kind of known, especially locally as, as a pretty big John Collins guy, I think he's a good player. I think that, that's a notable loss, but sneakily, you know, they acquired Sadiq Bay last year at the deadline for don't need to yeah, tell us about him. <laughs> yeah. For just draft capital <laughs> and that kind of allowed them some flexibility because that now they have this guy who they could reasonably start at the fourth they needed to. And he has a little bit this year. And then they had this more high upside guy with Jalen Johnson who hadn't played a lot, but a guy they liked in the draft and uh, was a former five-star prospect, all that stuff. But you know, Johnson, I think Hawks fans, as you might imagine, are getting maybe a little bit carried away with Jalen Johnson right now. I mean, just a small amount because like you're getting comparisons to like stars, like established star players. It's okay. let's just take a breath. But he's playing. He's playing great. That was a great pick. I loved it at the time. And what he really unlocks with them is that for the longest time, the Hawks have been playing this front court of DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella. And those guys are all solid players in their own respects, but none of them are plus passers or ball handlers or facilitators. So they were kind of stagnant up front. It was a lot of trade kind of had to be, but what Johnson brings them, he's not a great shooter, but he's got a lot of ball skills. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a point four, but he's certainly comfortable in the short roll. He can run Actually, he could probably run a pick and roll as a ball handler if you wanted to. So that just, it's just more, di- more dynamic. I would say he's also really, he's really, really long athletic as well. So without going into the long spiel, like he just unlocks some stuff they didn't really have before. Skill set wise, and then if they want to go a little bit more with shooting, they can go with Bay at the four. They're just more versatile than, they, than they've been in previous years. Again, that's not a shot at Collins. Collins was probably miscast playing next to a true setter, what they couldn't shoot like Capella anyway. So now they just have more versatility. And yeah, their, their depth t- took a hit with you know losing John Collins for nothing is not great. But when you have a guy and Johnson that has super talent, plus Bay as sort of a stopgap, like really quality rotation forward, it kind of gives you options.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the kind of player that Jalen Johnson is. You know, I'm, I'm sure the Magic looked at him. I don't remember exactly where where he fell and fell in that fell in that draft, but like, you know, that's like the whole philosophy of what the Magic are doing is let's get some big ball handling, you know, some ball handling forwards and have them be be attackers and have the and have everyone capable of even bringing the ball up the floor and initiating the offense.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. The Prize Picks is a skill based real money data fantasy sports game. At Price Picks, you pick two to six players to choose one that actually have more or less than their projection. It went up to 25 times the money on your entries. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specialist League, which is a league created for combo projections that include two more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can have LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a combination of three pointers made and receptions. Prize Picks also has a huge selection of sports and side offerings not offered anywhere else, really. They project on the NFL and NBA and MLB, NHL, PGA, and many more. They also have a reboot policy at PriceFix so their entry stays in play, even if you're one of your players happens to be injured. Football or basketball games, if you have a player that exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PriceFix is the only database sports platform with an injury insurance policy. I've really enjoyed my time at PriceFix throughout the years. and really digging in now as well with the NBA season up and running. And on the whole, the experience is fantastic at PriceFix. It's easy, it's fun, and I highly recommend it. PriceFix.com is the place to go at prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use promo code locked on NBA for a first time deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is PricePix.com slash locked on NBA. Use promo code locked on NBA when you get there. Check out daily fantasy sports made easy with prizepicks.
1: Year two of the, the trade DeJounte pairing, I think people expected it to kind of hit the ground running last year. You know, it, everything takes time, especially a partnership that's that that different, you know, Trey having to play a little bit more off the ball, perhaps because DeJounte can attack and take some of that burden off of him. You know, DeJounte doing the same, doing the same with Trey. H- how does that pairing look in year two compared to year one?
0: It is looking better. You know, I said this a lot over the summer. They weren't bad when they played together last year, but they weren't as good as that pairing needs to be. Like if they, if your two best players are not winning their minutes by a lot, you're in trouble, basically, is what I would say when they're playing together. Um, the worst part about that pairing actually last year was that the whole theory of the case, at least part of it, was that Murray was supposed to lift the second unit because they've had this long chronicled issue with playing without Trey. They've just always been awful with Trey off the floor. And that didn't actually help last year. Murray's, Murray without Trey didn't work. But I think Cider has been more creative and having them play off of each other. They're interacting more on the courts. It's a little bit less your turn, my turn. And it's not a perfect pairing. I think even they would probably admit that on True Serum. Like these two guys are not like designed in a lab to play together. But I think that they've already started to kind of show the size of what they can be on offense and then defensively like yeah they're they're kind of small murray's not probably as good as on defense as as he used to be in san antonio pre-injury all that stuff but um it's enough there with the way that murray's playing defensively and murray's been playing really well early early on actually sneakily trey has not shot the ball well at all to this point but to have these results with trey not doing that and you kind of the proof is the concept is, is there i think they're just starting to trust each other more not necessarily like I don't, that, that sounds negative. But I don't mean it to be negative. They were already kind of bought into each other, but they're playing off of each other. It's not just stand like one guy over here, one guy over here and line up and kind of play iso ball or click and roll. They're actually running actions with them both. Trey's moving more off the ball. And I think it's starting to look better than it ever has.
1: Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's one thing that that we could say about Snyder Snyder is really creative offensively. Like I like yeah. that, that is, that is, you know, not that Nate McMillan was a poor coach. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't, you know, he like, I'm a big believer, you know, and this is coming from a guy who had Steve Clifford as the head coach for, for three years. Yep. Coaches are like players. They they kind of have ceilings. They, they have roles in the development process. Like Steve Clifford was a Steve Clifford and Nate McMillan are the same type of coach. They focus on the very, very basic things. You get very, very good at the basic things that gets you into the playoffs. But does that help you get to the sec to the first round, to the second round, to, to, to the conference finals? Um, though, you know, they've, they, both of those guys have had Long successful careers of just getting to the playoffs, maybe sneaking a play, you know, McMillan more than Clifford, sneaking a playoff series here or there, but making making more out of their talent to get to get to the playoffs, but not necessarily maximizing that talent. And you know, Quinn Snyder obviously with the Jazz didn't quite get over the hump completely, but he turned those Utah Jazz teams into juggernauts that that were Western Conference contenders. And, and obviously the playoffs are a different animal. And 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 I I definitely want to kind of circle back. Uh, to that notion because I think both the magic and the Hawks, you know, this, this game on Thursday is going to mean something come April. I, I, I think it, these are, these are two teams that are going to be fighting for, I think, you know, for a lot of the same things, you know, maybe at different levels, maybe the Hawks are, you know, I, I would anticipate the Hawks are maybe a little bit ahead um this because they're veterans. They, they got guards who can actually shoot. Um, and then, and the magic are still a young team kind of figuring things out. Um, but, but it's it it definitely feels like there's a higher ceiling for what Atlanta can become, especially as you know, kind of the next wave of the next move happens, and and you know maybe Orlando and Atlanta are, are teams that are going to be involved in in kind of the next big round of trade carousels. But um, I'll start I'll start here then with Orlando. Yeah. Uh, the way the way I you know asking my own question to myself, uh, the way <laughs> I would describe Orlando season so far is is. Promising and, and showing, you know, more maturity. Um, you know, the Magic are still, I think, the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth youngest roster in the league. So they're they're very very young. They're prone to still making mistakes. You know, I think we saw frustration get the better of them Monday against Dallas. They they didn't quite know how to respond to a run or, or not getting calls or you know shots not falling. And, and it turns out pretty good looks ended up not falling in that game. But there's definitely a, a more mature and more serious approach to the way this team is going about things, and you can see that especially on the defensive end, where you know where Atlanta has you know got the, all these offensive weapons and have become you know one of the elite offensive teams in the league even after the loss to, to OKC on Monday. On Monday, Orlando Orlando has really built itself into a defensive juggernaut. You know I, I don't know what the stats were Monday. I haven't looked them up, but at least entering Monday's game, they led the league in deflections. Their whole, their whole deal is they're just gonna be really, really hard to play. They're gonna be really, really pesky. And they're gonna find a way to, to turn that into offense for them. Uh, you know, they've got Paolo Bancaro now playing at, at a higher level than he was earlier in the season, at least scoring-wise. They're trying to be very selfless and almost too selfless at times, trying to keep up, uh, keep everyone involved and get the best shot. Um, and they're they're, they're a group that just knows how to play together and trust each other pretty well now the offense hits some 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 hiccups and that's when the magic run into some trouble but this is a team that that they think believe that they at least believe can keep themselves in games based off their defense and especially their defensive length and depth of length
0: yeah i was going to ask you because like they're right now on paper anyway they're kind of Inverse teams, you know Orlando, yeah. has the top five defense. And if we combine
1: uh, these two teams, yeah. like Trey, Dejounte, Paolo Franz, and you know Wendell or Capella or Wendell or Congru at center, and Wendell's hurt right now, so so probably not him at this point. That's <laughs> that is a that is a championship level team right there.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's intriguing because like I, I won't act like I've seen every moment of the Magic this year. That's that's not the, the the beat that I'm on. But yeah, I mean look, if you I've always thought this from the outside that that, that, that the defensive personnel. Has the chance to be quite good. I mean, I think they were what t- they were tenth or eleventh last year after the All Star break on defense. They were showing signs. Their guards, in particular, it's again the inverse of the Hawks, where the Hawks perimeter defense has been pretty poor um, for talent reasons a lot of the time. Whereas Orlando's guards, with the exception of maybe one or two, like they have some really high quality defensive guards on this roster, talent wise, and then you the sheer size and bulk of. Of Palo, you got Franz, who I, I'm a Michigan guy. I've always loved Franz. Like he can obviously guard. And I love Wendell. He's a local he's a local Atlanta product. So all those things, like I'm kind of bought into the defense. The question is is the offense. And it's like, okay, how good can they be on offense? And again, it's not to make the comparison too many times, but it's the same question I have about the Hawks defense. It's like, okay can they get to league average on offense would be the question for Orlando right now today on their offense. And I, I guess that's the question that you have to answer. And obviously that's more <laughs> big picture than when it comes to <laughs> Thursday's game. But I was starting to make some notes about Thursday's game and it's like, well, man, this is like undeniably uh, up and down. Like they're just kind of mirror images of each other in, in, in reverse. And the turnover creation, the Hawks have always been great at taking care of the ball. Orlando forces a ton of turnovers. Like it's kind of all there for you.
1: Yeah. And, and to that point, like you mentioned Atlanta's really good at getting out in transition this year the magic are I think tops in the league in stopping transition points yep. this year, or they're, they top, they're, they're, top five in the league, at least in that, you know, Orlando's got to attack the offensive glass. And, you know, they were asking Jason Kidd about, about this on Monday. You know, he said their ability to attack the glass is as much about their guards jumping in for rebounds. Like Jalen Suggs will jump in for a rebound. Anthony black is an, you know, he's a rookie, but he's an excellent rebounder. Uh, Cole Anthony is six two maybe he is an excellent rebounder for a guy his size and, and and everyone gets involved on the glass but they're able to do that and still not give up transition points and transition opportunities which is a, a pretty at least on paper a contradictory thing to happen
0: Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. snap in the action this NFL or NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 right now if your team wins. Beyond the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel, they have all the stuff you're looking for across the sports betting space. They have over-unders and money lines and point spreads and player props, live betting, future bets, same game parlays, and much more. FanDuel app is safe and secure as well. Cover the entire range of sports that includes the NFL, of course, NBA, of course, college football. They have MLB, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, much more, it's all there for you at FanDuel, and they have tons of options looking ahead to Thursday's game between the Hawks and the Magic in Mexico City. That includes, includes places, you know, things like the look-ahead point spread and over-unders and pregame player props, et cetera. Plus, once the game starts, they have in-game betting for you. And now is the best possible time to join up with the folks at FanDuel. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. joining the official sportsbook partner of the On Podcast Network, an offer that you absolutely will not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
1: This team defensively, that was kind of the, the hope that they gave last year. They they went twenty nine and twenty eight uh, after December seventh, which is when the season began last year. Um They were set. They were seventh in the league in defensive rating uh, over the final fifty seven games, and that includes essentially three games where they tanked. So th- there is, you know, fifty seven games is not nothing. You know, no. at this at this point, like the Magic sitting. I know they were second in the league in defensive rating entering last night's game, entering Monday's game. Monday was their worst defensive performance of the season. So they're probably like third, fourth, or fifth at this point. It's too early in the season, you know, to say that these numbers are real and that any number is real. You know, Jamal Mosley even said he doesn't look at the numbers till like game 20. But you get 57 games, that's, uh, you know, almost two-thirds of the season. That tells you something's real. And it it feels like the Magic really committed in training camp and and with their personnel – to be really strong defensively, like they they committed that, hey, we are going to be disruptive. You know, they want Jalen Suggs, you know, shooting the gap for steals, and they'll trust that they can fill in while he scrambles back because that that dude is a maniac who's gonna do whatever, <laughs> gonna be, you know, Jalen Suggs is a chaos agent. You, you you'll see him on Thursday, you know, he is just gonna get into get into everything like that. The dude, the dude is yeah, I'm always worried he gets he's going to get hurt because of the injury history with him, but also because he will throw his body anywhere he needs to throw it to to get to get the basketball on defense. Um if he could hit a shot here or there that that would that yeah. would change a lot of things. and and obviously, like that's the big weakness, you know, that the favorite stat, you know, now that now that my Steve Francis stat is gone, um uh, my favorite <laughs> my uh, for Hawks fans listening, my Steve Francis stat was before Paolo Bencaro last year. The Magic did not have a non-center average twenty points per game in a season uh, since Steve Francis in two
0: thousand five. That um, is a fantastic stat. I have yeah. To maybe, Dwight, have to, Dwight have Howard to and Nikola
1: Dwight Howard and Nikola Vucevic both got there, but but Jameer Nelson was nineteen point nine in twenty in two thousand nine. Kito Turkle was nineteen point nine in two thousand eight. So there's a few close calls, but but Paolo got to nineteen five six or seven I think to, last year to, to, to officially eclipse twenty points per game. Um. So maybe that's, that's still is relevant, but the new favorite stat now that that I'm. I feel confident their magic are gonna break this year, but it it, it it still looks shaky. Orlando's not had an offense outside the bottom ten in the league since 2012 since Dwight Howard left. Yep. And that is the absolute biggest key to their success. You know, why did the magic lose to Dallas on Monday night? They shot one for sixteen on threes uh, in the in the second half. They shot seven for eleven in the first half, built a fifteen point lead. You know, we all kind of, I, th- I think I sat there in halftime. I was like, that's probably not going to last. So, you know, Dallas came back on Charlotte the night before. This is what they do. They shoot one for 16, all 16 threes, at least according to NBA.com stats. The closest defender was no more than four feet away. 10 of them, the closest defender was no more than six feet away. At the end of the day, you got to make shots. And, and that is the challenge for this Orlando Magic team is, can they hit enough shots, especially to make, Defenses respect their shooters enough to give Paolo and Franz the room to get into the paint. Cause a lot of the really good defensive teams, they got five guys with a foot in the paint and they're they're just daring Palo Paolo to, to try and make something happen. They can't call every foul.
0: Yeah, I was actually making notes about this matchup for a written thing I was doing. And uh, I noticed that stat that you just gave about the offensive rating. It's by the way, it also mirrors their effective pickle percentage, which is just the shooting. I mean, there I I was looking at unclean in the glass. I'm not sure how familiar everybody's with that, but if you're in the blue unclean in the glass, that's not good. And there's a lot of blue in the shooting departments for Orlando for about a decade now. So it's, it's not a, um, it's just, and look, it, Personnel wise, you can see why. I mean, their their guards are not great shooters for the most part, and I mean, obviously they're trying to invest there uh, a little bit more. But you know, you you know, Paolo being their best player, not a great shooter at this point in time. Like, it's pretty obvious to see why that is. But um, it is a it's a make or miss league in a lot of ways. Look, the Hawks are awesome on offense. They just had a night on Oklahoma City on Monday where they couldn't make a shot, and that's why they lost. I mean, it was literally they dominated the game, possession battle, all that stuff. But in the end, that one shooting category is the biggest one. And if you don't make shots, and your opponent does, you're not going to win very often. So
1: yeah. so is Atlanta, not making shots, they still, still scored like what? 114.
0: Yeah. Points? I mean, the, 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 the baseline is a little bit higher for their offense, but again, this is a, and <laughs> I think Orlando, you, you talked about it already, but they know it seems like, like from what you just laid out, they know that they're a defense first team. And like, everyone likes to say that they're a defense first team. I think every coach would like to say that, but deep down teams know, like the Hawks know that they're an offense first team. Um, And it's Orlando's the opposite. And that, that makes sense. Like you got to know what your personnel is. And, um, that path to orlando being a good team this year is just like be be okay on offense make make some more shots um win win, win on the margins possession battle stuff and this is a team that kind of has to win it seems like from the outside i'm a little i'm a little stuck cuz they're not going to be a great shooting team that's that's just not going to happen this year so it's everything else offensive rebounds the turnover avoidance all yep. that stuff that you have to win on
1: yep and and that you know like i was i was talking to some people today about that from the dallas game you know fresh in our memory so i apologize um magic <laughs> only had six offensive rebounds in that game they scored 15 second chance points. There's a lot of team rebounds on there. So that that explains some of the discrepancy between that. But, you know, the Magic are a team that has to make up, you know, their lack of three point shooting with getting to the foul line, getting second chance points, limiting a points off turnover, limiting points off turnovers, limiting fast break opportunities, running when they can. Those are where you're right. That's, you got, you know, they got to win that battle. So let's turn to Thursday's game then. You know, where we're playing in Mexico City, it is, Altitude is gonna be a factor in this game, I think. Um, what is the biggest key for you in this game?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the altitude because I thought about it, and then I hadn't thought about it a lot until the last day or so. And you know, for those who don't know, Mexico City's altitude is is higher than Denver. Like it's going It's uh, it's a and granted, they gave both teams two days off, which is probably smart before this one.
1: Having having said that, they're all. They, you know, I know Orlando flew up there to Tuesday. Yeah. i'm sure atlanta did too because they, they all got they all got nba cares events on wednesday yes. so wednesday they're be busy. Wednesday's a busy day
0: yeah they'll be busy but, but they're not going to be running this i mean maybe i'll yeah. run a little bit of course i think but, the
1: magic are scheduled to practice
0: yeah and i think the hawks will too it's just that um i'm not sure how it's gonna play with the hawks honestly because atlanta for the most part is playing an eight-man rotation which is kind of crazy for a team that has yeah, that's decent stupid. health right now like they're playing nine most nights but it's like eight and a half, like a guy's playing five minutes and then the rest of the guys play 20 plus. So I don't know if that's going to lead to Snyder expanding the rotation or what, maybe the guys just play a little bit less at the top end minutes. Um, that's a big TBD on the, uh, on the elevation, but I, I have to ask you, I mean, without, without Wendell Carter, I know this is not the first time this has happened. Unfortunately for Orlando, that he's going to, he's going to be out. I'm, I'm circling that because, I was really already kind of flagging, especially the the ball security as kind of maybe a pivot point because Orlando has been so good creating turnovers. The Hawks have been pretty good taking care of the ball, but not as good because they're playing faster. The Hawks are playing faster now than they ever have. And that's going to lead undoubtedly to more turnovers. It's not, it's a little bit less of just Trey young playing slow and operating, um, which is usually probably a good thing, but it's going to be more turnovers. So for me, it's like the possession battle is the key. That's that's kind of a cop-out answer, but it's like, okay, can the magic Box out the Hawks, who've been great on offensive glass this year, um, and can the Hawks protect the ball against Orlando and their defense? That's yeah, that, that's where that's where the game swings for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. I think I think pace, the ter- even t- in terms of just the way pace is measured on all yeah. the stat sites, possessions for 48 minutes. Like Atlanta's a team that wants to run. Orlando is. I think they're still. They it might have changed a little bit. But I think they're still in the bottom half of the league in pace. They've been, you know, at the first for the first few games, they've been bottom five in the league in pace. Like they're trying to limit possessions a little bit or, or play, you know, not necessarily slower. They still play fast. They still and in, invite a little chaos, but their goal defensively is to make you eat up a lot of shot clock, disrupt, disrupt you and make you kind of have to grind your way through a game. And so they want these longer possessions. And, you know, to, to your point about the altitude, you said Atlanta wants to, wants to run, run faster, run faster. And so this altitude may slow them down. I'm a a little concerned with the altitude that Orlando, because they play at such kind of like a breakneck defensive pace, almost mm. that they're flying around. They're trying to they're trying to 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 get contests. They're trying to get these deflections. That Orlando could tire themselves out a little bit defensively, and and you know maybe lose something on on the backside backside a little bit. I mean it's it it's just it's just this great unknown to how these two you know pace affects everyone at, 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 all times. Um, you know, Orlando has been running, still running a nine man rotation, even with all their injuries, you know, Jonathan Isaac sat out Monday's game, Caleb Houston stepped into his minutes, you know, Goga Batadze has been stepping into Wendell Carter's minutes. Um, you know, Anthony Black stepped into Gary Harris's minutes and Marco Fultz's minutes at this point. Um, it's, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say how it's going to affect everyone. Uh, just because, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it is this great unknown and it's something I think both coaches are going to manage. You know, I, I'd want to give Orlando a little bit of an edge on depth, but it's also a lot of it's unproven with Orlando. We don't know if Isaac's going to be ready to go. Isaac's is always just kind of day to day. <laughs> I I'm, I'm highly doubtful Gary Harris will play. He's got a strained right groin. Um, he, he's relatively close to coming back. He's missed about, a, uh, he was, he got injured last Thursday. Um, you know, he's doing some stuff on the court, but I, I find like, bringing a guy back from an injury on an altitude like this is probably not the best idea. Um, But it's the magic still trust their depth and they still try, you know, Anthony black has stepped in and played fantastic. And so it's to me, I I think this game is going to come down to who controls the tempo. Like like, let's throw out the pace and the possessions for 48 number 48 minute numbers. That's not what coaches talk about when they talk about pace. It's who is controlling the tempo of the game. Like who, who is dictating how fast the teams play. Like, I, you know, the Magic want to run too, but they want to run under their control. They don't want to be running because they're going back and forth or because they're trading shots. They want to be running because their defense is setting things up. Whereas Atlanta, I'm sure, wants to be running because they're getting the ball out and they're just going. And, and, and they, you know, they're trying to catch the defense before they can get set. And, and, that's, and that's kind of the tempo that's going to control this game.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good point in general, and it's one of those stylistic contrast things that we've already talked about. These are just two different, two very different teams that are, you know, in some ways similar, but some most of the ways not so similar. And I think the Hawks do want to play fast; they want to take more threes, and um, I think they'll be both teams will be energized. They both lost. How much you would have put on that? I think there's it's probably overblown a little bit in the NBA, honestly. Like how much teams are fired up to play once they lose or whatever, but. Um, I think that this is a big – it's a big standalone spot. Both teams should be focused. Obviously, we, we don't know who's going to play and who's not going to play at this – when we're recording right now. But the Hawks don't really have a lot of uncertainty injury-wise. They have two guys that are not going to play, Kobe Bufkin, Wes Matthews, and nobody else that I know of is battling anything. So it's like we kind of know who's going to be there. It's just where the Hawks go deeper into their bench because they have to. Like, do you guys want to play 38-7 minutes in Mexico City? I, I don't know, especially, especially trying to play fast. Like, I do, I do anticipate kind of a battle for tempo, like you laid out. I – Especially early on, you'll probably see some guys grabbing their shorts more often than they usually do in the first quarter. Um, That initial, uh, you talked to me a player. I'm sure you have too. When when you go when they go to go to Denver or Utah or any of those places that are a little bit higher, it's that first wave where you can't get your breath and you can't replicate that unless you're playing in a game so like we'll see maybe a little bit shorter shorter rotations too as far as like guys not playing 12 minutes in a row i, don't, I know the hawks have a couple guys that are used to playing 10 11 12 minutes in, yeah in a row. The, mag-
1: the magic start their games with Powell yeah. playing the first nine minutes of the first quarter like i, we'll, I don't we'll see, see that happening
0: yeah, yeah. M- maybe not yeah. so anyway I, i'm fascinated by it. i think it's going to be two teams that are and look the division thing but you know they, they've seen each other four times a year for a long time they're obviously familiar with one another and um extra emphasis it's a standalone game i mean you and I don't get many of these. Nope. Look, <laughs> nope. how many how many flat out complete standalone games do the Magic and Hawks play every year? Not that many, so it should Not be that uh, many. fun. I mean, we get
1: we get five games on on national television, uh, including NBA TV. This is number two for us. Uh, number yeah, this is number two for us. Um, just seeing if there's a third one in there, but number two for us, and it's it's a big deal to be on this uh, on this stage, and, and and to some extent, even though it's it's just NBA TV, I'm. When they said the Mexico City game was there, I was like, oh, ESPN's got to be there or TNT's yeah. got to be there. Like, this is a big it's, promotional it's, it's, thing. It's, it's a Thursday like, and they are
0: they are terrified of the NFL. I'll tell you that right now. They're I mean, the,
1: this week's NFL schedule is, is not good on national TV. But. So so come,
0: come watch the Magic yeah. and the Hawks. I'm
1: with um, you. I, I want to end here because, you know, I, I know how I'm feeling uh, as, as someone covering a team that is thinking about breaking into the postseason and, and, and is thinking about, you know, what it takes to get to the postseason is there any thought about how this game plays into the bigger picture of the season? Like does, like it, it it does, you know, being in play and chase or or having just even that small ambition, it does make every game feel a little bit bigger because the margins aren't that big. I know it's still super, super early in the season, but it does feel like there's a little bit of weight in this game because Orlando Atlanta, you know, we were both in the same grouping for, locked on for the locked on ultimate NBA preview, um (laughs) which I was very happy to be in because I think I've I think I've been in the Tankers group for all but two years that we've done this. And today this was year two. Um do you see these two teams as being neck and neck when we get to to March and April? I
0: I think they're in a relatively similar place. I do think the Hawks are maybe a half a half tier above the magic right now. And that's just because they're they're just more proven yeah, well, I agree. I, I do think Orlando has real talent, and I think they're also younger. They're in a different stage than the Hawks. I know the Hawks have been a little bit middling the last two years, but this is still a team that has been in the playoffs several consecutive seasons. They have expectations from the top, and I know Orlando was facing more of that this year as they sort of take their next step in their rebuild, but I just covered a rebuild four or five years ago, and it was different. Like The first couple of years when you're getting out of it, it's that progression, whereas the Hawks have already kind of been – not to the top, but they were in the conference finals. Like they're, they're kind of there. Yeah. And I think the Hawks are with Snyder and with this, with, the, with this core, I would have had them a little bit ahead. Of Orlando. Um, I know we have a mutual um, uh, let's just say, I'm not even sure how to describe it about the Miami heat, but it is what it is. Um, we, we, I actually, we're,
1: go, we're going to topple the statue of Pat Riley. It's it, yeah. You know, I, I actually, they had that, that insufferable court that looked, yeah. that looked great, except for those words on the court. And, and their record is exactly what it needs to be.
0: Yeah. I actually flat out, and I mean this. I, I picked the Hawks to win the Southeast this year, and part of that was that I'm not a Miami guy in the regular season. I will acknowledge their playoff yep. voodoo like that. I, I trust Spo. I trust Jimmy. But in the regular season, sneakily last year, they just weren't they just weren't that good. Um, no. And um, the Hawks are look. They weren't that good last year either. But I, I trust Snyder. I think this is a Hawks team that's probably going to win somewhere in the mid 40s. I picked them in the mid to high 40s, and. I'm not saying Orlando can't get there. I wouldn't pick them quite I, there.
1: I, I had Orlando. I, I think my official prediction was 40, 40 and 42. I had yeah, them like 38 right. to 44 wins. Like they're, they're, they're going to go through growing pains. Like yeah. Monday's loss to Dallas was like major. This team is young. They didn't know, you know, Luca and Kyrie just ate them up at the end of the game. And Paolo and Franz aren't that level of player yet. Trey, Like if it's, if this is a close game, Trey Young is that level of player. Like the magic saw it last year in, in that second game in Atlanta, with when DeJounte Murray drew the you know, Orlando had that wild comeback to come back in the game. DeJounte Murray drew the foul on Paolo and it was just like Paolo got rooked in, in a big moment and Murray hit the free throws, and that was that was it. That was the game. Um, that's that's kinda like that again, that's the level that these guys are at. DeJounte Murray and Trey Young know what they're doing. If it comes down to a late game situation, those guys are gonna know what they're doing and the magic are better. I'm not gonna say they're not, yeah. They're still figuring it out. And and this year, like to me you know, Atlanta's goal this year is to solidify a playoff spot, solidify the kind of the bait, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, solidify the yeah. basics of what they're trying to build and figure out how they can build out Orlando's Orlando is at the point of, we want to be playing competitive games and expose our players to winning pressure for the first time. And, and there's going to be growing pains with all of that.
0: Yeah. And that's very realistic and very level-headed and it kind of, you know, one game, in the NBA, it's, it's tough to you know, have the same emphasis in one out of 82. But if you extract all of that, like to a one-game sample on a neutral court with no Wendell Carter, who's the best player who's not playing on these two teams, the Hawks are going to be favored in the game. I'd imagine, Corey and our friends at FanDuel, by play. the time the tip-off happens, the Hawks will be favored. They should be. Can the Magic win? Of course they can. I mean, it's not like it's going to be this, like, 15 point spread. It's not going to be that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the Hawks are the better team and on a neutral court with no Wendell, I, I would pick the Hawks to win, but I mean, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a tight
1: know. game. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be a tight game. You know, again, I hate to say it for the magic. It's whether they come down, whether they make shots, like they, they're, that's, they're, that's they're, the um, NBA for
0: you, right? Their Their, <laughs> offense, their
1: <laughs> offensive rating out away from the Amway center is like one and oh, it's like one Oh seven, one Oh eight, something like that. And at least before the Dallas game, uh, through, at least through the first half of the Dallas game, it's like 120 something in Orlando at the Amway Center. So, you know, leaving the Amway Center is, is something this team's got to prove that a team like the Hawks, you know, the Hawks leaving State Farm Arena, they know how to play on the road. The Magic are still kind of figuring that out.
0: Yeah, makes sense to me. It'll, it'll be fun.
1: Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, Brad. And the best part is, Brad, we got at least three more of these games after Thursday. Maybe a fourth in the in-season tournament. Who knows? Um yeah, but maybe. maybe more when we get into April. It's it, it, this is a fun little rival. We didn't even talk about Paolo and DeJounte burying the hatchet. Oh and, yeah. And quietly burying the hatchet. Who knows quietly. if that 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 beef is is still there? Um, but Brad, <laughs> uh where, you know, for for my listeners, where where can everyone find you and, and get ready for this game on Thursday?
0: Yeah, I am uh, at BT Roland on whatever that platform is called, Twitter or X, whatever it is. Uh also <laughs> hosting lots on Hawks as you do, uh in, in reverse. So uh, yeah, follow me there. I write for dime, I have a Patreon, all that. You can find me on on that. Twitter's the best place to find me still. I'm calling it Twitter. It is what it is. I am, but too. Subscribe I am to the, too. subscribe to the podcast. Take that,
1: take that, Elon Musk. No. Mine and uh, yours. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um as, as well, you could you can find me on Twitter uh, for those that want more magic thoughts at Philip R underscore OMD. I write for Orlando Magic Daily, uh, so you can check that out at orlandomagicdaily.com. I also have a Patreon page, which I'll I'll pimp separately, but you can find the link in my bio. Uh, And of course, listen to Locked On Magic if you want to follow the magic the rest of the season. Brad, it was great catching up with you. And uh, as always, we'll, we'll see you in the Eastern Conference Finals.
0: Thank you, sir. Enjoy the game on Thursday.